but you can pretty much do anything when you understand how good storytelling works. And if you have a somewhat satisfying plot behind that to back that up, there's pretty much no limit to what you can do in your songs. Just understanding these concepts to really drive the listener's attention and really help them, you know, guide them through the song. I think that's, that's one of the most important things we can do as songwriters and producers. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm gonna share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're gonna show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, so I'm super excited to be here today with Friedemann Findeisen. I learned how to pronounce that properly from his YouTube video that he has on, on YouTube. It was an April Fool's joke, but he thought how to pronounce his name, which is awesome. Friedemann is the founder of Holistic Songwriting, and uh, it's a YouTube channel that has over 14 million views on YouTube, teaches music artists how to improve their songwriting. It's also a best-selling author. He's written a book called The Addiction Formula, A Holistic Approach to Writing Captivating, Memorable Hit Songs. And so, uh, of course, uh, today I thought it would be a great uh, opportunity to talk about songwriting, which is something that is always at the roots of every successful uh, artist and songwriter is, is like a core, a core skill to develop. So, Friedman, thanks so much for taking the time to be here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Sweet. So to start out with, I'd, I'd love to hear a little, a little bit about your story and how you got started with holistic songwriting and, you know, kind of some of the lessons that you learned along the way. Sure. Well, like many of my creative endeavors, shall we say, are really born out of frustration in a way, really, um, where I just get amped up about some other people doing something in a way that I don't approve of. And I'm like, ah, come on, you got to do this this way. And, and then I just, you know, start my own thing. So a lot of a lot of my creative work is based off of that, off of that idea. Um, I really started writing songs when I was 15. So I'm self-taught. Never really learned any music theory back then. Uh, I was a guitarist, wrote for a band, wrote every day. I was kind of bullied in school. So it was like the, it was a, like a, a way out for me out of all of that. And so I came home, did my homework, and then I went straight to writing pretty much all day. And I pretty much taught myself how to write songs in, in those first five years. Um, and it really was kind of an obsession, really learned how to write songs. And that's why I have a, still have a very deep connection with writing, I think. Like I, it's still my favorite thing to do, uh, creating in general, but I think, yeah, music in, in particular is just still like my first love, really. So then afterwards, after a couple of years, I decided to study music. Um, that seemed like the most logical path for me. Went to two different conservatories, uh, one in Germany, which I quit after two years, and then went to the Netherlands, which was great. Uh, worked in LA for a little while as a, a movie, uh, as a film composer. Uh, got a recommendation from Conrad Pope, who's John Williams orchestrator. Got my bachelor's degree. Had a really great time. But in all this time, you know, I studied for six years in total. I never really got what I wanted out of it, or at least what I expected. What I what I got from from university from conservatory was a lot of music theory, a lot of complex harmony and complex chords. A lot of, you know, learning how to write lyrics and stuff like that. But when I look at myself or when I look at just the music that's on the radio or even like off radio, indie music, all sorts of modern music, it's kind of none of the above. Like, you know, in terms of they're, they're really quite simple in terms of music theory or chords or harmony or lyrics. And so to me, those things are really kind of like the cherry on top of everything. And for me, the, the, the core of a great song tends to be like a completely different list. And for me, that's, uh, it needs to have an infectious groove, uh, a dynamic arrangement, impactful melodies. I think most people, you know, there's a lot of people who talk about repetitive melodies or mel melodies that, that stick, uh, hooks. And I, I mean, sure, that's important, but it's, I think it's way more important to write stuff that is impactful, right? Because you could write a really great hooky melody, but if it doesn't have any impact, you're never going to remember it because it's, it's not placed in, in your song in such a way that, it's, that the song will force you to remember it, so to say. Honest sounding performances, I think, is really important. Uh, interesting sound design, production, and image, which is kind of uh, what my YouTube channel revolves around a lot. Uh, this idea of marketing yourself in such a way as an artist that there's a little bit more to you than just a, this person who puts out music. 
but that you really, be, you're not just a musician or just a songwriter, you become an artist, right? And that to me is the difference is um, placing yourself out there on the market in such a way that you represent something, that you have a, a story that people do want to listen to and that that story is co coherent and makes sense. And so all of this was really frustrating to me that I've, I always felt like I was learning the wrong things. And I got even more frustrated when I heard about people like, um, Max Martin talking about uh, melodic math, right? I'm sure you've heard about that maybe. And, and thinking like, man, you know, there are people out there doing it. There are people out there who have the formulas for pop music. They understand how to, how to you know, turn the levers in the, in the right position to the right position to, to create the songs that move people. The rules are out there, but I don't have access to them. And I studied, like I, for me, that was the, the closest thing. That was the idea. That's, that's how you learn the formulas. And I never learned the formulas. Nobody ever really sat me down and said like, hey, here's how, you know, here's how you write a good song. That basically never happened. And so after all this frustration, I started creating holistic songwriting. And really as in the beginning for myself to teach myself all these things, uh, I, I learned a lot already that I felt was never really taught anywhere else. Uh, so that was my start. That's how I wrote my first book, The Addiction Formula, uh, which is a formula that I think is, is, is ever present in all of pop music. Uh, but nobody really talks about that. So that's that's how I got started. But really for me, it was to learn about all of these other things that I was interested in and to share my findings with others. And my approach, I think, maybe due to me being German, is, uh, is a very clinical one, almost scientific, where I break down each part into of songwriting into several smaller parts until they're fairly easy or at least simple. And then I show you how to reconnect them in such a way that you can create something that is your own and unique. And the whole... The whole system really is built from the ground up. So it's not something I've cobbled together from YouTube channels or other books, but I really try to approach um, music from the viewpoint of a songwriter. I feel like there's a lot of content out there that's from the viewpoint of musicologists or you know, music teachers or musicians. There's not, a, or producers maybe, not a lot of stuff out there on just how to create, create great sounding songs. And so that's the, the, the angle that I'm taking. And my goal really is uh, to make this, this is for songwriter producers, for artists, bands, musicians who want to reach the international top level with their songs. And I'm talking the very best songwriters in the world here. So I'm not interested in making you the best writer in your town or in your city. I'm really looking to, to get you to that international top level so you could really write across the entire world. So you could work as a songwriter and, and work in Tel Aviv just as well as in Los Angeles or uh, Berlin. And uh, so far, uh, so I started Holistic Songwriting in 2015. The YouTube channel, as you said, has grown to 380,000 subscribers, 14 million views at this point. Uh, which is all organic traffic. We did very, very little advertising. Um, have a best-selling book, The Addiction Formula. Uh, was featured on American Songwriter. Um, now work very closely with Germany's biggest songwriters. And we just successfully launched our online university, Holistic Songwriting Academy, uh, which is a one-year program where through a series of, of exercises, kind of takes you from nothing, even if you have never written a song before, to professional songwriter. Although I highly recommend you have written a couple of songs before because it's a tough, tough course. And that's it. That's kind of where, where I am at the moment. Awesome. Well, th thanks for sharing, man. That's that's fascinating. And I, I love, well, it kind of reminded me of um, at least part, part of it when you're talking about this disconnect between sort of this like theoretical, like music theory, theoretical, like colleges, what, what like it was being taught from, you know, some of the roots and some of the things that are maybe more fundamental or more important to, to song or to like hit songwriting and not necessarily like, you know, maybe classical or just different like styles. Reminded me of a, of a conversation that I just had with uh, Brett Manning from Singing Success and mm -hmm. You know, one of his core pillars of, of their methodology is a speech level singing. And mm -hmm. the idea is basically like, you know, that uh, a lot of like, if you're focused too much on the technique, then you can like, la, 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 la. You know, start like, like, like sound like a, like an opera singer. It's like not natural or it doesn't really have character or like have like authenticity. And so it sounds like a lot of what, what you focus on is like the science of actual hit songwriting, but then also, you know, realizing that there's a deeper, there, there's more depth to it. There is a holistic approach where it's in a lot of ways, it really is about the artist and their, who they are and their character coming out through the songwriting. So one thing I definitely want to dig into is I love the, the title that, of that book, the addiction formula, holistic approach to writing captivating memorable hit songs. So I definitely want to like put a pin in that and kind of like dig into that, that formula to start out with, you know, I, I'm sure through, 
a ton of experience working with songwriters at this point that you you see a lot of similar patterns or mistakes or challenges and things that kind of that crop up um, when songwriters first start working with you. So one thing I'm curious about is you know, what are some of those those challenges or those mistakes or those common patterns that you see artists struggling with? Um, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of things that people get wrong. Pretty much, I, th- I think I've pretty much seen everything at this point. What I think consistently is misunderstood is, is the idea of plot and storytelling in music. In other words, let's call it structure and buildup is I think how most producers or songwriters would call it. So most people I think understand this verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus principle, right? You want to structure your song in that in, a, in that way or in a similar way, maybe. Uh, and by the way, you're completely not tied to that in any way. It's just a very popular one that just works. So most people, I think, understand that. What most people don't understand is that it's not enough to just put the word verse on top of the, the stave, the, the, the block of text on your lyrics, right? It's just not enough. Because I, I get a lot of songs where, you know, I, I do weekly reviews of songs and people send in, I've, I've re- reviewed over a thousand songs in the last two years. And a really big thing has been people saying, hey, can you, you know, check out the chorus? Is that blah, 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 blah. And I'm, well, I don't know what your chorus is, right? That might be a definition you've found for, for, for this part. But to me, it doesn't sound like a chorus. And that is, happens to be a thing that I hear all the time that... So for me, a, a great song is like when you walk into a mall and you have like a big poster there and it says, you know, it shows you the mall and it has like a big arrow that says you are here. And to me, that gives me a feeling of like, okay, I can trust the songwriter. I can trust the, I can trust the people of the, the, the people who built this mall to lead me through it. So I, I'll get out. Okay. Right. I won't like com- completely lose myself in this whole thing. And the same goes for songwriting. If your listener at any point, feels like they're lost, like they don't know where they are in the song. That really is a big problem. You should hold your listener by the hand a little bit and guide them through your song. And they should feel like they can rely on you in terms of knowing where they are. So they they know, okay, the last chorus is coming. This is the big finale. Let's give it all I've got if I'm you know dancing to it or whatever. And then the song is going to be over. Uh, what you don't want to happen is, and I hear this is really one of the things I hear the most, I think, is that I'm, I'm kind of looking just at the, I'm looking at the SoundCloud waveform, right? I'm like, okay, so I guess we're a third of the way through now. Okay, well, it might just end now. Like I, I've lost all interest in this song already because it's not really giving me much of a story. It's just stuff, like there's new things, you know, there's a new, new section that brings in new chords and new melodies, but it's not giving me anything new. Like this still feels like it could just be another verse. It's a new section, it's different, but it's not different enough. It's not dramatic enough for me to really care about what I'm hearing. And so, I, yeah, for me, that's that's probably the biggest thing. And that's also what the, the addiction formula is about. Awesome. So, so it sounds like really one of the biggest challenges and things that, that you hear a lot is just sort of maybe lacking a point or lacking like like a drive or a progression where like the chorus doesn't necessarily feel like a chorus or is like they're just making noise just for the sake of making noise as opposed to they're kind of being like a progression that like kind of pulls you pulls you in and gives it a sense of movement yeah i think there's there's two so in the book i identify three three techniques for telling a good story let's talk about two here because i think the third one is a little little too complex maybe um, to talk about on a, on a podcast. But so I think the first thing that you have to understand is, so, so I, I, I differentiate between plot and storytelling as do writers, right? If you, if you ever you know, read about how to write a book, that's one of the first things that's often discussed is what is a plot, what is storytelling? Plot is essentially this happens, then this happens, then this happens, then this happens. That's basically your, your structure, right? Verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. Just figuring out like what is the basic plot of your song? And the storytelling is how do we move from point to point? A lot of songwriters get one of the two or none of the two, but very few actually understand that both are really important. So the, the people who understand plot, typically, they what the problem there is, they see the song as a thing that moves from A to B, right? And they see it as, they see the grand picture, they see the forest, but they don't see the trees anymore, right? They, they don't understand that a listener listens to a song through the storytelling eyes, meaning they listen to it from moment to moment. They don't know that a great chorus is coming. So, you know, they have nothing, they're not waiting for the next chorus. And if your verse ends and then you have a huge fucking chorus that's gonna blow everyone away, it's, you know, if you don't 
signpost that to me in the first verse that that's coming, that that's something I should prepare for, that that's something I should get excited about, you, you've lost me, right? Because maybe I'm halfway through the first verse and I'm thinking, this is boring. I'm just going to stop listening to this. So uh, that's the storytelling part of it, making sure that at every single moment in the song, the listener is still connected with me and knows what's going on and knows or has an idea of what's coming. And then we can surprise them, of course. But it's this idea, the storytelling idea is um, you want to you catch, grab their attention and then never let it go. And plot is just a means of doing that effectively, right? Because, for example, a great way of storytelling would be to just have a song that just builds, 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 builds. But that's not going to be a very um, satisfying experience. So that's what plot is for, to, to give us some ideas of where we could place some energy peaks. So, of course, usually, right, that we can build towards how many of, their, of those should be in your song. So those are the, the two sides, right? The structure and the storytelling. So how do, how do we set those? How can we control those? How can we do that better? Well, in terms of plot, I think it's really helpful to draw out a sort of graph for your different energy levels for your different sections. And I think this is not going to really be news to anyone that verses tend to be lower energy than choruses. Intros tend to be even lower energy than the verse. Uh, bridges usually are either very low energy, sometimes even lower than the verse, or even higher energy than the second chorus. And then the finale usually is the highest energy of your song, right? And if you have an outro, that's probably going to mirror your intro, so probably going to be about the same energy as the intro. Most people, I think, understand that. And when you talk to them, they have clearly understood that concept. It's just that they usually don't do it, or they don't do it very well, I think. And to me, Honestly, if, if I had to pick just one thing, just one thing to, to worry about in songwriting, if I could teach you just one thing, I think this would be it. I think being able to tell a compelling story is more important than having great groove, than having melodies that hook, than having really interesting chords or great lyrics or even great production. If I can tell a story that's going to hook you, like, you know, we've, we've all heard stories in terrible circumstances, you know, told by terrible storytellers around a campfire. And it's still, if the story is good and the storytelling is adequate, it's going to draw us in. It's going to really be compelling. And so this is, for me, really the, the core of, of great songwriting, one of the most important pillars of it, I think. So that's the first thing, right? We kind of want to set these different energy levels for, the, for our different sections. And the way we do that is by various little techniques. So there's a lot of small things that together set us at a specific energy level. So for example, one of my, the, the biggest storyteller in the, in the band is, and I say band, you know, obviously including electronic music and all that stuff as well. But the biggest storyteller in music is the drums. So the drums can be really easily used to set different energy levels. I'm, I'm going to give you an example from, from the rock world, because that's where I'm originally from. Something as simple as closed hi-hat in the verses, open hi-hat and the pre-chorus crash in the chorus, right? You don't need to do much else. The, the drums can carry the entire stories almost just by doing just that. Very simple thing to do, um, but really makes it very clear for your listener, oh, I, I guess we're in a new section now and the hi-hat sounds louder than it did before. It sounds noisier than it did before. So the energy is, is rising. I'm supposed to feel more engaged right now, right? And obviously they're not thinking that consciously, but it's a, it's a subconscious process. So that's one of the very many techniques that you can use for this sort of stuff. Another would be, for example, arrangement, um, adding a new instrument increases energy or hype, as I like to call this uh, aspect of energy. You could um, increase your pitch, right? This is something we hear all the time. Chorus should have the highest notes in your song, but this is why, right? Because the chorus is supposed to be the high energy section of your song. And one of the ways that we can achieve that is by writing a melody that is higher in pitch than the rest of our song. So that's, that's plot, essentially. That's what I call hype levels, setting hype levels for your song. And if we look at that in a sort of graph, we would see a, this very blocky looking line, right? So we have a verse that's one level, and then it jumps up to the pre-chorus, and then it jumps up to the chorus, for example, right? It doesn't have to go down exactly this route, but let's, let's say for the sake of argument that that's the route we're going to take here. So storytelling then, the, the problem with this, with this curve, let's put it this way. The problem with this curve is that say I'm, I'm, I'm in the verse and I'm the listener. I've never heard the song before. I'm experiencing the song as it, as it moves along, right? I'm, I, I don't know what's coming. 
So I'm listening to the, to the verse, which maybe is 16 or maybe even 32 bars long. It's a pretty long verse. And if all I'm doing is just set a hype level for this verse, I'm going to get bored because it's not moving anywhere. Now, there are songs who get, that get away with it, uh, in particular songs that have really good groove. For example, something like, uh, what's that song? Haters Gotta Hate, Hate, Hate by Taylor Swift. What's that called? I know what song you're talking about. I don't remember what the, the title yeah, of the song Shake is. It off. Shake It Off. Shake It Off. Right? Yes. So that has a, has a pretty long verse that doesn't really do, do anything new. It's, a, it's two verses after one another. So verse and verse continued. They're at exactly the same hype level. So in terms of energy, not much is changing. But because the groove is really strong, that does work in this case. And otherwise, I think that's a, usually a bad idea. Uh, and it's not something I recommend. I call this flatlining. If you have two sections following one another where the energy does not change in any shape or form. Uh, and usually the only way, you, the only place you will see this in pop songs in, in, or in hit songs in any really commercially successful songs is in the between the first verse and the first verse continued, right? That's the only time you'll ever see that in, in commercial music. It's very, very unusual to see that anywhere else in the song. So that that's the problem right if we are stuck in the in the song we, we're hearing it for the first time we don't know what's coming so as songwriters what we have to do is we have to create suspense we have to create tension it's just like an author would right if we're just stuck in a scene and there's people talking i don't care right it needs to point towards something right if i'm reading harry potter i need to know that at the end there's going to be a fight with Baltimore, right? Or something like that's the, that's the thing that drives me through the book. If I read Sherlock Holmes, I need to know that the, the, the freaking case is going to be solved at the end of the book. And that's what I'm looking forward to. There's mm. always a, this, this sort of tension that's moving us along. And so we can do the same thing in, in music as well by using a technique that I call tension. And by tension, I don't just mean harmonic tension. That's one of the ways of using tension, but there's a lot of things that we can do to gradually increase the hype. So as I said, hype is a very linear thing, right? It's, or not linear, it's a, what would you call it? A static thing that's set for different sections. So it's low in the verse, high in the chorus. And tension is gradual. That's what kind of we can use to smooth out our curve a little bit. So it's not this blocky curve, but it actually moves from a low point gradually up to a high point. So that's what it would look like. That's how I visualize it. And things that we can do to, to create tension in a section are things like, you know, the classical example would be, or not classical, but, uh, you know, the band example would be a fill, right? If you have a, have a section at the end, someone's playing, then we know it's coming. An important downbeat is, is, is right around the corner. And the second they're starting playing the, we know that that's coming. So there is already tension there from the first note when he plays that fill. Looking at electronic dance music, we might use something like uh, an uplifter or uh, something like that, or, you know, filtering white noise to get like a... We hear that all the time now in electronic dance music. We could use the filter on the rest of the music, right? So Drake does this quite a bit, that the verses are filtered. You know, we have the highs filtered out, for example. And there's tons of things that you could do. Some songs, for example, um, use pitch to uh, create tension. So there's a, a song by... Ariana Grande called Problem, I think, or maybe Problems. I'm not quite sure right now. But the verse, the, the pre-chorus in that, which builds, pre-chorus is typically the section that builds the most tension because it's right before a chorus. That's our big gratifying moment. That's our big energy peak. So we want to build up as much energy before that as we can, you know, and really increase the anticipation. Um, and that has a pre-chorus that goes da 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 Right, that's the melody of the pre-chorus. So it's it's an incline. Uh, the melody is, is gradually inclining. It's moving up, 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 up. And so is, you know, our stomachs. We're like, ooh, what's going on? What's going on? Suspended in midair here. And then the chorus comes in and it's like the resolution. It's the, the gratifying moment of the song. And so those are the two sides. It's the, it's the plot setting those different hype levels or energy levels and storytelling, which is working with tension. And this third thing called implied tension, which maybe we're, we shouldn't really talk about because it's quite complex. Um, we can use those two to keep the listener engaged throughout our, our plot. That's, that's so good. That's, uh, there's something about the idea of, of tension that I think is, is really fascinating as a way to, to provide movement. Even something that you had mentioned earlier, 
about how you know, what what uh, led you to create holistic songwriter and and to grow it's really came from frustration and came from from tension yeah. you know and, and i think certainly like in my own life and i think the way entrepreneurship works is like you know it's through tension and resolution and great songs it sounds sounds like what you're saying it's with tension it creates a sense of movement and it kind of builds up these moments of tension and then release and that's really like the ebb and the flow of what makes songs special and what makes life special is like these these different uh the different progression of, of tension but what's what I, what I want to say to that really quickly is yeah. I think people have so because because this is something I, I was taught at school as well is you want to build tension then you want to release it but for me I don't think that's necessarily a good image because to me, like if, if you if you look at like a rubber band, right, and you, you pull that tight, you're increasing the tension and then you let it go and, you know, that's the release. So if, if we compare that to how songs work, though, I think songs work quite differently because there we build tension and then we have the highest energy peak, right? Then that's when the thing is stretched the most, essentially, right? We don't want to let it go at that moment. That's when we want to give the listener everything that they've been waiting for. And of course, there's a sort, sort of release going on psychologically. But if we're talking about um, energy being the thing that's being increased by using tension, then I think that's the opposite of what we should be doing is thinking about it in this tension release kind of way. I think it makes more sense in, in saying tension gratification, give them something big, give them something that they can remember. Mm. That's, that's a really good point is, you know, or maybe rather than thinking of it as like release of tension, it's more about gratification. You can build up tension. doesn't necessarily yeah. mean you have to like let it all go. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I mean, what also kind of, what, what it reminded me of is, is tension in terms of, you know, creating, I think a lot of times when, when you think about like creating a good hook, um, whether it's for like songs or storytelling um, or things like we were talking about Harry Potter and kind of like how there's this this weaving line of Voldemort. It's like you introduce this character of this, the ultimate villain, bad, evil person, and it creates this sense of like unresolved energy. Like there's like, there's tension there and it literally is enough tension to pull you through the entire series of, of Harry Potter. And then there's these yeah, there's different a, there's elements. There's an old rule. There's a there's an old rule. If you see a gun in Act One, it better go off in Act Three. That's a that's a really good one. Yeah, <laughs> that is good. That's, that's really exactly good. Exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and it and it all reminds me. I like you know in terms of like one one thing that I geek out on is um, promotion and marketing and and I think like a a big pillar with that too is is creating you know, creating like open, open loops. And I think this is something with storytelling, you know, with uh, TV shows and movies, like you create these open loops, which is another way of saying, like, you introduce something, it creates tension. There's literally something inside your being that like, that pulls you, pulls you forward, because there's this unresolved, there's this open loop, it hasn't been closed yet. So I think it's really fascinating sort of thinking about that in terms of, of songwriting, too, and telling storytelling, and you know, and intentionally creating moments that kind of pull pull you in and and create that progression. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, there's a lot of lot of that, right? Um, yeah, the, the open loop. I like that a lot. It's this idea of of setting something up and then maybe not even resolving it eventually, right? I mean, mm. so like in a in a marketing video, you say like, "Hey, watch this video till the end, and I'll give you one of my best whatever something something." And uh, and you keep watching because you're you're waiting for that to happen. It's kind of the same with songwriting as well. I think storytelling is 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 a thing that's that's been with us as a human race for you know thousands of years, right? It's really deeply ingrained in our in our psyche, and I think it is something that we can use for, for you know for for good and for bad. But um, I think it's a really powerful technique to use in your songs. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, I, I totally got about a conversation like this. It's awesome. Um, so one thing I want to uh, to dig into is I know we've been sharing a few different like um, concepts and and uh, techniques from from the book, but I'd love to hear just like a like it, it sounds like probably the core theme of the book is the addiction formula, holistic approach. And so, you know, what uh, what what is the the formula or like what is it like at a higher level that's like kind of the the core basis of of the book? I suppose the addiction formula would be this these three techniques, right? Understanding okay. that setting these different hype levels, um, moving to them through tension or through implied tension and grabbing the listener's attention and never letting it go until your song is over, right? So that they immediately want to hit replay or listen to another one of your songs. That's, that's the basic idea. So for me, it's a formula because once you understand how this stuff works, building up to big moments uh, and, and, and using that to, to build this really gratifying 
gratifying moments or to really surprise the listener also sometimes can be really cool um, is something you hear in all songs, in all popular commercial songs, in indie songs, rock songs, metal songs. It's really everywhere. Everyone uses this stuff. And when I listen to songs of my students, when they come to me at first, people don't have that yet. They don't understand how important that is. Everyone seems to focus on what they deem important in songwriting, which is usually like, you know, it's why a hook that people will remember, or that's usually what people say when they talk about songwriting is right. It's, it's gotta be memorable or it's gotta, you know, get to the chorus quickly. And I, I think none of those things are true. It's, it's, if you have a great verse, you can stay there forever. Like, you know, Californication by the Red Hot Chili Peppers doesn't get to the chorus until like, you know, well into the song. Like they do, I think they have two verses, long verses and a long intro as well before they get to a pre-chorus and then at some point we get to the chorus and that's not even the best part of the song, right? So it's, it's understanding this, I think, that it's not so much about how exactly your plot looks, right? It could be verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. It could be an expanded version of that, but you can pretty much do anything when you understand how good storytelling works. And if you have a, a somewhat satisfying plot behind that to back that up and it it hopefully ends with something that's that's really satisfying and you put that at the very end of your song. There's pretty much no limit to what you can do in your songs. So for example, uh, this idea of of taking a, a you know pre-chorus to chorus, right? This transition of having a section that really builds tension, 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 and then we have this big moment in the chorus, that's not limited to just the pre-chorus chorus situation. We could use that anywhere in our song. Like we could even use that intro to verse, for example. We could have an intro that's super tense and that builds to a, you know, a super low energy intro that builds to a, a low energy verse, for example, like just understanding these concepts and, and how we can use transitions to really drive the listener's attention and really help them, you know, guide them through the song. That I think is, that's what the addiction formula is. And I think that's, that's one of the most important things we can do as songwriters and producers. Oh, what's up guys? So quick intermission from the podcast. So I can tell you about an awesome free gift that I have for you. I wanted to share something that's not normally available to the public. They normally reserve for our $5,000 clients that we work with personally. This is a presentation called Six Steps to Explode Your Fan Base and Make a Profit with Your Music Online. And specifically, we're gonna walk through how to build a paid traffic and automated funnel that's gonna allow you to grow your fan base online and the system's designed to get you to your first $5,000 a month with your music. We've invested over $130,000 in the past year to test out different traffic sources and different offers and really see what's working best right now for musicians. And so I think it's gonna be hugely valuable for you. And so if that's something you're interested in, in the description, there should be a little link that you can click on to go get that. And uh, the other thing I want to mention is, you know, if you want to do us a, a huge favor, one thing that really makes a big difference early on when you're creating a new podcast is if people click subscribe, then it basically lets the algorithm know that this is something that's new and noteworthy and that uh, people actually want to hear. And so that'll help us reach a lot more people. So if you're getting value from this and you get value from the free trainings, then if you want to do us a favor, I'd really appreciate you clicking the subscribe button. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Heck yeah, dude. I love that. So w one thing, I feel like you opened a loop in my own mind as you brought it up and we didn't close the loop. And, and I know that there's there's probably a good reason for it, but but um, there's one of those three things that that you you teased a little bit of like the implied the implied tension. Mm -hmm. Do you think, is there like a, a way for us at, to break it down that we might be able to like to to go there in the form of the podcast? Or you think that's just kind of too, too beyond the, the medium? I, I'll try. Let me try. So the idea of implied tension is, so, so let's, let's look at tension. Tension is usually related to adding stuff to kind of point us in the general direction of like, for example, we're in a verse, right? Very sparse arrangement, maybe just bass, drums, and vocals. And we're adding, I don't know, a guitar who's playing, that's playing palm muted chords or something like that. When we add that, it tells the listener, oh, more stuff is coming. Okay, so I guess we're heading, to, heading towards an energy peak. So I guess I'm going to stick around to listen to that. Mm -hmm. So that's tension. It's, it's usually connected to increasing uh, energy in order to get somewhere. Because we're continually increasing something, it's telling the listener we're going to arrive at a, at a, a peak at some point. Mm -hmm. The idea of implied tension is, is a little bit like the opposite of that. I like to compare it to 
um, fighting with your significant other, right? So, so let's say you, you are in a big fight, right? And you're shouting at each other and, or you're starting with like nitpicking and, and it's, it starts to get bigger and bigger. And so the moment in, in that moment, the tension is, is rising and rising and it's, it's getting more and more and more, and it's going to end up one point, right, where, where one of you is going to storm out of the room and bang the door or shout something inappropriate or whatever, right? That's that's tension, right? It's building towards a very clear point at which the discussion is over and that tension is like at its, at its peak. Implied tension is kind of like you sitting at the table across from another and eating your breakfast in silence and ver being very aware that there is this tension in the room, an underlying tension that's never talked about right? That's what implied tension is. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a, I think the, the, that's the meta metaphor I use. And because the, that's what happens, what we can do with our music as well. We can, by hinting at things, by removing those things, we can create tension that is ever present in a section. So as I said, tension is something that builds. So typically we add something gradually over time, whereas implied tension is something where you take something away and it affects the entire section. So this is a really, it's a really powerful technique um, that is very subtle and it's my favorite thing to do. I think it's very challenging, very difficult to do. But if you listen to anything in, in charts at the moment, this, is, this thing has gotten bigger and bigger over the last 20 years. I think it's the biggest thing in, in, on the radio right now is using implied tension. If you can write an arrangement that uses implied tension, in other words, if you can write arrangements that are really sparse, but they're not empty, they're just tense because they're so sparse, that is really, really powerful. And Blank Space by Taylor Swift would be a good example, I think. That verse, for example, is really clearly lacking a lot of stuff. You listen to that, and it's just a synth and, and very empty feeling drums and vocals on top of that. It feels really empty. It's not just that this is a low energy section. It's not that this is you know, something that you, you'd know from the 90s. This is a new way of, of controlling energy, of controlling your expectations uh, as a listener. By removing things, you're creating this hole and the listener is waiting for that hole to be filled. And when the chorus rolls around, that's when we get the bass, that's when we get a fuller arrangement. And that's when we, when we get that satisfaction. And that to me is even more so than, than maybe tension is, is this idea of what you were talking about, this, this, this um, this open loop, right? This idea of this sounds like it's missing something. I'm going to stick around because I, I need this to be filled. I need this to be whole. I need this to be uh, filled out again, basically. <laughs> Man, it's <laughs> really, really interesting. I mean, like, it, 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 it's one of my, it's one of my favorite things to talk about because it's, yeah. you can be so incredibly subtle with it. It's really hard to do well, especially if you do it over a long period of time, it's, it can be really, really tricky, but it's, it's one of my favorite things to talk about. It's, but also because it is so complicated um, and there's, it's, it's quite difficult to pull it off. Well, mm, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, like just the way that you just described that, that too, um, just it reminded me of almost like the human condition, you know, just of, um, like a search for um, fullness or search for, to, to become whole, you know, I think is, is just kind of at the root of, you know, our, our humanity or our, our, our spiritual search in a lot of ways. Um, and I think there's, that's a little, one of the reasons that there's so many themes that are about like coming home, you know, coming home and the idea of like, of, you know, it's just about coming back and discovering who you are and, and yourself. So I think it's, it's really just, you know, fascinating to, to dig into that world. One thing that I wanted to, um, to to circle back around to was was something that that you mentioned how, you know, if you have a good story, if you have a good core, then a lot of like that can be the most important thing. And a lot of times, you know, bad story, like you know, you don't, you don't want to intentionally be a bad storyteller, but you, even someone who's not very articulate or not very good at, at telling a story, like if they have a really, really, really good story to tell, then it's pretty difficult for it not to be captivating, just because the the source is is so so captivating so i guess uh, i'm curious what what you find or or, or what, what you see as like being like some some of the best ways to to get that core root so like where, where does that come from and like what are are there like any like patterns or kind of like uh formulas that you see like around the story itself that you know tend to resonate with people like you know, i know there's like the hero's journey with uh joseph campbell and there's some different like archetypes and themes and whatnot but i'm curious on on your take with how that relates to songwriting 
So the, the, the number one formula for that, I think, is what I call the Hollywood formula. That's also built on the 12 steps and in, in songs. We also have 12 sections quite often. And, it, and the principles are, are very similar, right? When we place our energy peaks, it's very similar to how movie writers or script writers write Hollywood scripts. And basically, like uh, the, the most basic form, that's the first one I teach at Holistic Songwriting Academy, is you, you have a very low energy intro, a uh, little bit higher going into your verse, moving up uh, to your, to your pre-chorus. There you want to add a lot of tension so that people are really looking forward to your chorus. Chorus is typically high energy. Second verse, lower energy, but not as low as the first verse. So you're building a little bit there. Then second chorus, usually, I mean, ideally, that would be a little higher in energy than the first one. No one really does that, though. And then we have a bridge, either very low energy or kind of like just below the chorus or just above the chorus. And then we have the third chorus, which depends on what the bridge was doing before. It's going to be at a certain energy level that contrasts what the bridge was doing, essentially. And then we move into our, what I call the finale, which is usually another chorus. Sometimes it's another instrumental section or something like that. So that's like the basic section. It's just a verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. Uh, but setting the energy levels right there is really important. And you can expand that by using pre-choruses, uh, as, as I've said already. Um, you can add in post-choruses. You can add in transitional bridges. You can add in uh, another primary bridge. Uh, you could add in a fourth chorus, for example. You could add maybe at the front of the song or if you want to go down the route that Happy does uh, by Pharrell, that does that adds another bridge chorus to the end of the song. So there's a lot of ways that in which you can mold that. You could end after your um, your second after your second chorus if you wanted to. You could do a song where you kind of sandwich the bridge. So verse chorus, bridge chorus, verse chorus is possible. You could use solos. You, as I said, you can use instrumentals. Um, you could have a high energy intro. What you're looking for usually is contrast. You want to end strong, typically, unless you want to use that, you know, against the listener. Sometimes people always expect it, the song to end big. And sometimes if you end really small, that can also have, you know, bring a message of its own, maybe something that, that leaves you feeling empty or something like that, right? You can, you can obviously use all of those things. But that's the, the, basic, the basic formula that, that I use for, honestly, 90% of my songs is just that. It's, a, it's an expanded version of verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. And it's not so much like where you set those energy, uh, where you set those energy levels, but it's how you set those energy levels, how you make it clear that these are the energy levels that you're setting for the listener. So it's, I, I, I sometimes get people who send me songs and they send along a graph with the, with the energy curve. And, I, and the curves look fine, like they, they understood what they have to do, but it just doesn't sound like it. Like I'm not hearing that energy rise here. I'm not hearing the tension there. That's often the problem. So yeah, does that, does that answer your question as a sort of basic formula for that hopefully your, your listeners will be able to use right away? Yeah, I think I think that's awesome. I think it's it's definitely helpful to think about kind of like the plot and kind of like the 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 way that you are kind of like an energy worker and in thinking about that um, in terms of the verse choruses and bridges and whatnot. One, one thing I'd love to get your perspective on is in terms of like the songs themselves or like the stories, but like the themes of the songs or, or like the character that they're presenting. Let's say, I think probably a lot of people listening to this right now are going to be artists themselves who they want to create like a, a artist identity and a brand and they want to, you know, have the, have a character. And in a lot of cases, like the character is, is them and how they express themselves. And so I'm, I'm curious if, if you have any thoughts on like, kind of breaking that down and being like, okay, like what, so what should someone, should someone intentionally kind of make a big list of song ideas, like based on like the most uh, emotionally charged moments of their life. And then just kind of like, like that's what drives the songs or where do you recommend people kind of um, draw that from? Um, that's really a whole new discussion. Honestly, like, I mean, that's something we could talk about for another couple of hours for sure. Personally, my, my personal experience has been, I think it doesn't make so much sense for when we're talking about image, like the public image of a person, of, a, of an artist. I don't think it makes too much sense to, to plan that and then start writing based off of that. I've had some, a lot of bad experiences with that. I think it makes more sense to start writing some songs and seeing like which of those work well, which of those work well with me as an artist, or which ones feel like they come from me as an artist and which ones could be written or performed by any other person. 
and once you figure out what those songs are, and you, you, can, you can figure that out by asking friends, right? Like, hey, which songs do you think work really well with me? And why do you think that is? Uh, what are some, some, some subtle things that I think are in the music that I have as well, for example? You could go further, of course. Um, if you, you don't have to be authentic as an artist. I really don't believe that. You could be what I call a cool character, right? For example, someone like Marilyn Manson is not, he's authentic in his own way, I suppose, but his thing is it's extremely stylized. Even, you know, a lot of, a lot of rappers or a lot of pop stars are the same way where they're, they're not really being themselves. And that's not what we want from them. We want them to be this super hyper stylized version of themselves. You know, the, the bitch, we want to have these, these stereotypes that we can attach to them or, um, or the, the, the feminine one, or um, I don't know, the feminist, or the, we have these things, or Ed Sheeran being the, the, you know, the chubby guy we want to have a beer with, you know, we have these, these images that we, these, these images for these for these artists, and, and they kind of play a little bit of a, a stereotype in those regard in that regard. Or you know, Billie Eilish being like the the dark emo kid, you know. And I think the the more you can figure out what your thing is, it doesn't even have to be new. I really don't think you have to find something that is completely different. I see too many bands who are including uh, backpipes into their metal songs because they think that's going to make them more unique. I really don't think that that's necessary. I think it's more about writing great songs first and foremost, and then getting them across in such a way that they seem more special than they are. <laughs> so there's a lot of things that can go into that. Um, I'm just gonna brush on a couple of them. Like this, this is a, a huge topic, but if you, you could take a, a, any basic song and, and contrast it with a really interesting artistic music video, for example, and it becomes something completely different because context matters Absolutely, right? The way we experience your music is incredibly important. And so the kind of images you use, the kind of colors, the kind of imagery you use, right? It's incredibly important as a storytelling tool for you as an artist. And since we are, you know, multimedia culture now, nobody listens to just music anymore. We all know what the artists look like now. We all know their backstories. We all know their creative vision for their project. That's become more and more important and is something that, that songwriters need to start thinking about as well. And there's you know, ways how this affects songwriting that are really interesting and really fascinating where we go deeper into storytelling through your songs. But when we, when we bring it back to the beginning, I think uh, to answer your question, I think the most important thing is to just start writing and then to just naturally feel out, hey, this feels right. Or you know, I, I had this project, for example, um, and I showed it to someone and they said to me, this sounds like psychological metal. And right, it was usually my, my latest project is a, is a metal project. And I thought, man, that, that's so great. I like that, I like that word, psychological. Uh, I'd never really thought about it like that. And so writing future songs, I just tried to bring out that word psychological even more and try to make that stronger. Because I like that. I like if my songs are psychological, right? And so that's, that's what I would say. You, you start somewhere, you write as much as you can, you try to get good, try to write great songs, and then see what labels other people are attaching to you. And if you are a moderately interesting person, that is going to happen by itself. And you use those, you make those stronger, and you make those very, very clear in your marketing. If you look at, for example, Ariana Grande, and you listen to just her just her singles, like you could, you could just read the titles of those songs, right? God is a woman... Um, uh, God, I don't know all of them, but if you just look at those titles, like it's just the image is 100% clear. It's almost as if someone said, okay, what are 10 words that we think of when we think of Ariana? Let's write some songs to those. That's so good. Yeah. I appreciate you uh, being able to condense like what could be a, a very long, probably like a five hour long conversation into a few minutes of, of wisdom. It sounds like what you're saying is that ultimately what, what you'd recommend is that, you know, you just start writing as many songs as possible and try to write as good of a song as possible. And you're going to, you're going to find that some of the songs resonate more with you and they resonate with other people in that, you know, as long as you're, you're consistent about um, developing your craft, then you're going to start to to figure out what's resonating, what's working best. And you can kind of lean more into that intentionally as you discover what those, what those things are. Beautiful. Absolutely. Cool. All right, man. Well, hey, this has been one of uh, my favorite kind of conversations to have. So I really appreciate you taking the time to, to be here and to share share all the lessons that you've learned when it comes to songwriting. And I know that, uh, you know, you've literally got a full book where you dive really deep into this and you also have your academy and, and, and whatnot. So uh, anyone who's listening right now, what would be the best place for them to go to learn more from you? 
I think the book is a good place to start. And if that resonates with you, I think you could go straight to Holistic Songwriting Academy because that's the book times 100. Uh, like that's that's my proudest achievement is, the, is that course, the Holistic Songwriting Academy. Uh, you could also check out if you don't want to pay anything. Uh, you could check out my YouTube channel, uh, Holistic Songwriting, specifically the artist series, which is, I think, the best series that I have on there. That's the one I'm most proud of, where I take apart these huge artists and, and show you how they work holistically, how they make us feel a certain way. And I really go try to try to cover as much as possible, not just the songwriting, also production, but also stuff like lighting or, or clothing or the kind of cars that they drive. You know, all of that really impacts of as I said, context matters, right? All of that impacts how you experience the artist. And uh, that's what I'm really interested in is how we can create a, 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 an image for ourselves through everything that we do. And that's really what I talk about in that series. Mm, beautiful. Awesome. So, so one thing that we'll do for everyone is we'll put the links in the show notes to make it as simple as possible to go, to go check it out. And I would definitely recommend, I mean, songwriting is one of those things that is just at the core of your career as, as an artist. I think it's one of the best investments you can make. So I would highly recommend, you know, learning as much as you can from Friedemann and from, you know, there's, there's several different, like just studying like, like your favorite artists and, and, uh, you know, I think it's one of the most valuable investments of your time and, and energy. So I'd highly recommend going and checking it out. Cool. Cool. Thanks, right, well, Friedemann. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, you're awesome. Appreciate appreciate the conversation. Thanks, brother. Cheers. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guest today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then that'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.